One of the biggest controversies with AI has been the topics around ethics, privacy, and actually the built-in bias that, that AI uh, has been trained based off of. And, uh, you know, when an AI makes a decision, it could be the best possible decision, but that's really up to debate because with some of the deep learning stuff, we don't really know how AI is making the decision. So with this topic, my guest, uh, Ivan Lee, we're gonna talk about this whole topic. Now, Ivan is the CEO and co-founder of uh, Data Sorted AI. His first company, Loki Studios, was acquired in 2013. He spent most of the last decade working as a product manager for AI, most recently at Apple. Now, through that experience, he learned that data labeling is a key step in the process of training AI, hence why Data Story came to life and is actually the industry's premier software for annotating and labeling data. So without any further ado, let's jump right in my guest, Ivan, and talk about ethics, privacy, and bias for AI products. Hey, I'm your host, Cyrus Shirazian, and welcome to PM Hub Podcast, a show dedicated to bringing you fresh and unique insights from product leaders and tech entrepreneurs. All right, Ivan, welcome to PM Hub. Thank you. Glad to be here. 100%. Very excited to have you on today. Talk about ethics, privacy, biases, and a lot of, I guess, interesting debates around these topics for AI products. And uh, so I, I guess before we dive right in, I'd love to, uh, you know, your journey, man. Like, how did you end up in product? When was AI into it? What was, what was like the journey like? And where are you? Where are you? Kind of like what what kind of stuff are you working on now? Yeah, so it's interesting. Kind of looking back, um, I studied computer science here at Stanford. Uh, I took an AI elective. It was just like one of many options, and I took it under the Professor Andrew Ng. This is before he started Coursera, before he made a name for himself as one of the premier kind of AI gurus in the world. Um, but I had the privilege of learning from him. Uh, I kind of dropped it for a little bit. I started my first company. It was a video games company, and we worked on that for a couple of years, ended up selling that company to Yahoo. And that's when, you know, uh, I hit a big change in my career. My manager uh, at the company asked me to work on this new AI solution and be the PM for it. And Yahoo was a search engine I had used growing up, um, and they had this heuristics-based search algorithm that was decades old, had a lot of kind of edge cases built in using, you know, if-else statements. Uh, and we worked on this for, you know, a couple of months and we were able to replace that whole thing, rip it out and replace it with an AI algorithm. And that was an eye-opening experience for me. The fact that this, you know, product that had been worked on by so many people over so many years could be replaced by AI so quickly, that kind of opened up the world of possibilities as to, you know, what this technology could really enable. And remember, this is back in 2013, 2014. It was just the beginning of all that hype. So I was able to then ride that hype cycle, work as an AI PM for a number of companies, uh, most recently at Apple, and uh, work on a number of different AI products across uh, these different corporations. Very cool. Very cool. And now, actually, you're... Uh... You, you have your own business data store, right? I'd love to hear a bit more about that too. Yeah. So because of that experience, um, I found that every company that I went to, 
um, all approached AI a little bit differently because it's still this nascent technology. But one common thing that I saw as a pattern was that AI is built on uh, training data. It needs to learn from historical existing data. It captures and identifies patterns within that data and then applies it to kind of future predictions. So every company, uh, regardless, you know, I worked at a startup, I worked at Apple, um, you know, large to small, they all required a lot, a lot of training data. And over the course of my career, I spent hundreds of millions of dollars gathering labeled data. So with that experience in mind, I realized this is going to be something that's uh, going to be increasingly needed by any company looking to deploy AI. And instead of rebuilding the tools to label that data at each independent organization, why not solve this once and for all for industry? So that's what we've been doing here at Datasor. We built uh, an annotation software. So think about you know, how you have Photoshop or Figma for designers. This is the software tool to help you annotate and label your data. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I guess uh, a bit of background there. You want to, you, like you mentioned, you want to build these models. You need to have like clean data because, you know, garbage in, garbage out, right? So that's why labeling is so important in that sense. And what Datasort does is essentially find, like you mentioned, annotate those data in a way so you don't have to build that from scratch, build that logic from scratch to learn how to label. Is that correct? Yeah, it's a little bit of, uh, you know, there's some automation in there. So, for example, if I have data um, coming in, I don't need to label that Starbucks is a cafe or a coffee shop. We know that already, right? So you don't have to waste your time manually labeling stuff we already know. But also, if there are new, um, new types of things that you need to label, more complex use cases, uh, our software makes it really easy to just select the text that you're looking for, apply those labels. Um, there's, you know, some additional power user tools in there uh, because it, you know, not many people know this, but this is a really rapidly growing industry. There are hundreds of thousands, millions of people worldwide who are labeling data eight hours a day and they don't, they shouldn't be working on, you know, Excel spreadsheets. They need a tool. They deserve a tool that's dedicated to their needs. Yeah. No, that's amazing. That's awesome, man. So I guess throughout your experience, you've been around quite a while working on AI products. Like how have you, how would you describe it? Like, you know, AI in your experience has impacted, you know, tech products. Like, you know, it's, there's been a lot of sides into it. I'm, I'm curious from your experience, like what was it like when you add that AI flavor on top of the typical software product? Yeah, so there's been endless discussion about, um, you know, the power of AI and what it's going to enable uh, a lot of dis uh, chatter about this over the last few years. You know, uh, I think there's some really grandiose statements um, around how AI is like the invention of electricity and what it enables for um, humanity. For me, I think about it, it's another form of automation. Just like what we saw during the industrial revolution and what steam engines and then followed by, um, you know, the, the rest of that kind of mechanical automation enabled, you know, it took away the need for humans to be going through a lot of manual labor. Well, this is kind of like the industrial revolution of the 21st century, right? Again, we're taking away a lot of menial, laborious, tedious jobs, things like 
call centers or parsing through thousands of documents to find and using a manual highlighter to uh, for lawyers to identify like what clause is related to this other uh, legal document, right? We can automate a lot of that away. So it is a powerful new method of automation. Um, and that's really what it boils down to. We get a lot of influence from sci-fi movies, a lot of kind of clips uh, from news interviews, uh, but it's just going to automate away a layer of what we've been doing as humans. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's very interesting and in how you kind of compared it to industrial revolution in that sense. Uh, so let's talk about, you know, the, the, some, some, I'd say, uh, inter inter interesting controversial topics around like, you know, the ethical concerns, like, you know, I'm curious, like from what you've known and what you've been reading, uh, what are some concerns that are coming out for products that are leveraging AI in them? Yeah. So it's really interesting. Um, in my career, I've had the uh, opportunity to witness a number of rises and and maturity, let's call it, of various technologies, right? We had social media and all the hype around that, and then the rise of mobile and the app store platform. Now we've got AI, and it turns out they all follow a fairly similar pattern. There's a lot of excitement at the beginning about the potential of this technology and what it enables. And then we start dealing with some of the consequences or thinking uh, more deeply around what are the ramifications of what we've built out. So what we have now is, okay, AI has started to enter our everyday lives, right? So we've got, you know, all these home assistants, whether you're using Alexa or Siri or Google Assistant, we've got automated uh, door doorbell services and all these things. It adds a lot of efficiency to our lives, but now there are questions around well, what does that mean for society as a whole, right? So we've started seeing a number of um, aspects of AI that we have to be particularly careful about. The biggest topic these days is around built-in biases for AI. Mm -hmm. So as, as I mentioned earlier, in order to train AI, you need to give it historical data. But it turns out Unfortunately, we as society haven't always made the best decisions in the past. So if there is there um, we have made discriminatory decisions, let's say on the rate of your health insurance and how much that should cost or uh, the mortgages that you are um, that you are applicable for. Right. Um, eligible for those same discriminatory decisions get perpetuated and learned by the AI model, whether we realize it or not. So we have to be really careful about the data that we're providing. You know, we talk about data cleaning, but that is a, an incredibly complex process. And I think we've only scratched the surface of really understanding what's necessary there. So we have to be really careful about the data that we put into the model, because just like you said earlier, garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. Totally. And what was it like? There's there's many examples of it, uh, especially, I guess, in HR applications too. Like, what was it like something? I was reading something around this model that was put out uh, that would kind of like bias towards males for technical jobs, right? And uh, there was some discussions around that, right? So to your point, because 
after all historic data, then you know that's that that becomes a concern there, right? So uh, that's right. Very cool. Dive that, uh, example a little bit further because there are multiple layers to this, right? So mm -hmm. first we discovered, oh yes, if a if company A tends to hire ninety percent male engineers, right? Then the algorithm starts selecting for males, thinking that that's what the company was looking for, right? And even if gender isn't explicitly mentioned in the resume, the AI starts uh, inevitably understanding names might be correlated to success. So your Jonathans and Michaels might be more successful, and it's built in, right, to the AI algorithm. So people caught on to that, and they started removing those names from the resumes in order to um, try and take away that bias. But unfortunately, there are other things on a resume that can indicate the same thing. It could be the activities that they're into, right? If some, if it turns out more males happen to list basketball and golf as hobbies, then it starts learning, oh, maybe people who like basketball and golf are more going to be more successful. So it's what level do you have to strip out the information, right? Turns out men and women often write their resumes and present their accomplishments very differently as well. So again, a PM for this, we'll have to dig multiple layers deep in order to really understand, you know, where might the biases be hiding here? Yeah, and I, I guess the question becomes, it's very interesting because like you mentioned, the, the main purpose of the way you see AI is, is, is automation, right? So if today's workforce the way they're doing the making those decisions however they have biases you know we all have biases nobody can deny that right and so the question becomes would you want to expect the model that's trying to mimic you as a human to be unbiased and i guess i guess my question is is that so there's like i almost see like two levels into it one level is automate what let's say an hr person was doing into that and the second is about remove bias from decision making. Is that is that is that correct? Yeah, um, and I wouldn't con consider them to be kind of sequential uh, steps in the process. It you know a good product manager for AI takes all of it into account from the way that they're approaching the problem to begin with. Yeah. So you're almost kind of like trying to make it even better. Like, so if there's biases exist today with this model, you can not only automate that, but also you can make it a bit of a more fair process for all candidates, right? So this seems like some some upsides, not only the automation part, but also the better outcomes to it of more equality, right? That's right. Um, and, you know, for even for an HR manager, they may go through specific training to try and remove the inherent uh, subconscious biases we have, right? So if you can build that same kind of training into the AI, right, then mm. yes, it does improve it. Um, it gets us to the ideal of what we would have wanted the HR manager to be performing at to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. So we talked about like how... Uh, like a PM and a, a PM working on these models, they need to really consider these edge cases when they're looking into models itself, the AI, uh, let's say for different practices and different, I guess, purposes. So in terms of the security risks of these AI models, like what are some of those challenges that you've kind of like seen going around and how do you tackle them? Yeah, so um, I just want to 
call out, this may not be security risk in the way that we technologists typically think of security risk, right? It's, it's not going to be, you know, in the past, when Facebook opened up an AI with all of its information, there were security risks um, as to, you know, what could be collected via that API. Or if, um, you know, if we use a new database technology, then that might open up a new, a new risk. Now we're looking at a new class of risks um, with AI. So for example, there are physical risks, right? Just to really dive into concrete examples, there was an article I saw the other day about a self-driving algorithm that got confused because there was a truck carrying a bunch of traffic lights, right? So like, you were trained to, to identify traffic lights and react to them, but when a truck is carrying a whole load of like non-operational traffic lights, that's an edge case we never really considered. And the PM like almost certainly didn't put take that into account, right? So we can laugh at it, but sometimes these are life-threatening risks, right? Um, there is the, the, you know, we see a lot about uh, social media and their dangers these days in the, um, in the news, right? So you can use AI and, and this new technology of natural language generation, NLG, to generate fake news and make it look compelling and uh, look for things that are going to you know, people will want to reshare on their different networks, right? And of course, we do have new cybersecurity exploits that are enabled via AI. So there's a whole new class of risks that we probably didn't think too closely about prior to the advent of AI. Yeah, and that those sound pretty scary, man. Like, so how how let's say an AI PM can go about like, you know, tackling these situations? Like, is there like, is there like a, uh, a, a, I don't want to, I don't know if it's like a silver bullet for it or like, how would you go about kind of addressing these issues? I wish there were, right? I really wish that such a thing could exist. Um, but like I said, this is still a relatively nascent technology, despite the fact that people have been hyping up AI since 2014. Um, we're still in the early stages. So think of the internet, right? If we had this conversation 20 years ago about the, the you know, potential and the dangers of the Internet, we would have been talking about a whole new class of things that are enabled by the power of the World Wide Web, but also the risks inherent to that, right? And it took us 20 years to understand best practices and understand all the different, you know, new class of exploits and, and all that. So we kind of have to think of AI similarly. Um, it's a nascent technology and most people are new to dealing with uh, AI and building it out. We all need to build a community around this, share the best practices, share the latest uh, learnings and findings um, so that, you know, as a society, as a community of, of builders, we can um, implement those in practice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's. And I guess it, it it could depend on different kind of products you're working on, different different environments that could kind of like uh, be kind of more the base of different sort of biases and how you can go about, uh, you know, addressing those in that sense. So it just comes with experience. And like you mentioned, it's pretty nascent. Now, as an AI PM, like, I just wanted, like, if, if I wanted to kind of like, I don't know much about what's out there. What are some like typical, you know, regulations that I need to kind of like watch out for typically if I'm building some sort of products? Like, are there some, you know, pretty common ones out there? Not looking for legal advice here. I'm just 
saying like <laughs> what are some com commonly known ones that are out there that you know i should look into just to begin with scratch the surface yeah so obligatory i'm not a lawyer here right but um the ones that i would be paying attention to are these new regulations coming out of uh it seems like the leaders of the pack tend to be from the european commissions um, as well as california right? Uh, these are a, a little bit more forward thinking in terms of trying to um, catch up with the latest technologies, understand them and, and identify where are the inherent risks to their populations. And these two companies have already said, you know, it's there's a lot of overlap between AI regulation and data privacy regulation. So for example, uh, can the personal data of a of a European citizen be used to train uh, an algorithm in Singapore or Korea, right? Like what happens when you have this cross-border exchange of data? Who controls it and who regulates it? But on the flip side, uh, how do we ensure that all countries are fairly represented? Citizens of all countries are fairly represented, right? If an algorithm just doesn't understand, say, names from Brazil, then it, the systems can be unfairly disadvantaged for, you know, an applicant coming from Brazil back to the HR system, right? So there are two sides of the coin. Uh, I'm glad that regulator, regulators are taking a first stab at like a first draft of all these things. Uh, we should keep a close eye on the consequences and how um, companies react to them because what these countries and governments set will be the press will set the precedent for how other governments will follow in the future yeah that's such a uh like living in this global world like you're looking at all this very interesting how when you look at it on that grand scheme of things and how everything like the examples you mentioned could could be should be considered uh to to avoid any kind of like uh situations uh for for regulations and whatnot right so thanks for sharing those awesome so uh ivan where can our listeners follow your insights <laughs> um so i don't post very avidly but uh when i do it's going to be on either my linkedin or my medium so i can give you those links and people are you know should feel free to connect 100%. We'll add those uh, in the description. Last question, fun question. I ask all my uh, AI PM kind of like series guests on the show here. You know, this whole concept of, you know, artificial super intelligence or AGI that, you know, you see in the movies, the robots are coming out and kind of like taking over. And they're actually smarter than humans. They're not like the, the kind of like that a step higher. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Yeah, so um, I'm as big a fan of sci-fi as the next person, right? And it always tickles me to see how AI is represented in these um, in these movies and TV shows. Let's put it this way: I've worked with enough AI um, to not be worried about this on a day-to-day -day basis, right? I see the failure cases, I see the limitations very clearly. So, in at this current stage, I have no concerns about uh hailing new robot overlords uh that being said breakthroughs in science as always do come through and improve technology by orders of magnitude so uh keep a close eye on those breakthroughs and, and see where we're at but agi we are a far far cry from anything like that coming around soon 
Okay. So at least in our own lifetime, we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> that, lifetimes, we'll see. But in the next decade, I am fairly confident um, we, we do not have to worry about such a thing. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's that's uh, that's very interesting. Thanks. Thanks for sharing your thoughts, man. Thanks for coming on the show and sharing your thoughts on this whole very controversial topics around ethics, privacy, and bias for AI products. Yeah. Great questions. Thanks, Cyrus. That's it for this week's episode of PM Hub Podcast, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Um, if you enjoyed it, definitely share on your social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, you name it. Leave a five star review so we can reach more audience. And if you have any suggestions, I'm totally open to it. You can reach out to me on social media. Uh, also subscribe to uh, make sure you never miss any of the upcoming episodes. I'm Cyrus Shirazian. And until next show, stay safe and healthy.